Well, it's President's Day today, so the US is uniting in their love for Joe Biden. Meanwhile, a lot less trading is happening, but a busy week to come, including the RBNZ, lots of PMIs, Aussie wage data and more. Meanwhile, the obvious question, as 10-year Treasury yields pull back a little on Friday, have yields peaked now? Certainly, equity investors have been going for growth stocks lately, so they obviously think the future is bright. So is it? It's Monday, the 20th of February, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. yields fell back a little on Friday, down to 3.81% for 10-year Treasuries. That's down five basis points. Two years, though, still hanging at 4.6%, more than 50 basis points higher than they were at the start of the month. And if that seems a bit high, six-month Treasury bills spent most of Friday above 5%. Yields falling across Europe at the end of the week, though, at uh, Aussie 10 years were up six basis points to be lion ball, actually, with the U.S. 10 years at 3.81%. And a, uh, a, a, a bit of a dud end to the week for U.S. equities with the Dow. Uh, well, the Dow was up 0.3%. The S&P was down 0.3% and the Nasdaq losing 0.6%. Over the week, the Nasdaq, though, was marginally up and the Dow and S&P down only ever so slightly. No great shakes. And European shares fell a bit on Friday as well. The Eurostox 50 was down half percent, for example. But that was at the end of the week that saw prices rising. The Eurostox 50 actually up 1.8% over the week, even with that fall on Friday. Not so for the ASX 200, though it fell almost 0.9% on Friday, finishing the week 1.9% down. And the US dollar was up and down on Friday, but fundamentally finished it where it started the day, uh, which is about 2.7% higher than it started the month on the DXY index. And currencies that did move on Friday, well, the pound uh, gained 0.4%, the euro was up 0.2%, the Aussie was flat, just below 68.8 US cents, but down half a percent over the week. And oil heading down for now, a 2.5% fall in Brent on Friday, down to $83. Uh, and if that's not enough numbers, well, you'd be pleased to know that Tapper Strickland is uh, with me from NAB in Sydney today. He loves numbers, although I have to say there's not a lot of them around today. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's start, Tapas, with, uh, with those bond yields. Uh, do you think they've peaked? I mean, we, we started to see them coming down. I mean, it is the, it is the question, isn't it? How much higher can they go? Or have they reached a peak now and this is the start of the decline? Good morning, Phil. Yes, that is a very big question in markets at the moment and really being driven by the persistence in inflation that we have seen and by that monster payrolls number that we did see a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. While the uh, moves in US Treasuries, you did see yields a little bit lower uh, on Friday. Uh, just worth noting that they did peak at 3925 um, percent on Friday mm. before moving lower. And I think the reason why they moved a little bit lower was effectively the Fed's bark and pushing back on the kind of calls for a 50 basis point move from the Fed that he did hear from Mester and Bullard last week. And he said sticking with 25. Yeah. He, was worried, he was worried about an overshoot, wasn't he? Basically, if they did it at 25 basis points, then they can make sure that they don't overshoot was his argument. Exactly. Think, and so it? that calmed down markets a little bit, but markets are still pricing in about a 10% chance of a 50 basis point hike come the March meeting. But in terms of where bond yields go from here, I think it's going to be quite important and quite instructive, the March FOMC meeting just in regards to how the Fed is digesting the kind of conflicting data signals that the US economy is throwing up, but also just some notion that uh, inflation persistence may be there. Um, and just worth noting in that respect, when you look at uh, break-even inflation um, or implied inflation break-even, um, the two-year break-even is now at 2.9% after having dipped down close yeah. to 2% in January and is now at its highest level since November. So it does suggest that um, markets are fearing uh, inflation persistence or inflation becoming sticky. That means higher for longer rates. And if that occurs, then you'd have to say uh, the risk for yields is that they go higher from here. <laughs> 
Well, the terminal right now, what is priced in at uh, five point two, little under five point two percent. So that so that suggests, doesn't it? Uh, unless one of them is 50 basis points, that suggests three more hikes from the Fed. Yes, and indeed, you did see a few US investment banks upgrade their FOMC um, dot plot. Um, so um, there were two out there calling for a Fed funds rate of uh, 5.25 to 5.50%, and that's 25 basis points above the uh, above the December dot plot. Um, so you are starting to get a little bit of filtering through that people are reassessing the data, just given how much better than expected it was, and think the Fed has to do a little bit more. Now, that's only an extra 25 basis points on top of the dot plot. Um, but if you do get some pretty good data still coming through and you still have that inflation persistence, then maybe the Fed feels like it needs to hike rates a l- little bit further than that. Mm. But you've got to tell equity investors this because they are, I mean, okay, equity markets have cooled down a little bit, but there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal this morning pointing out that the Russell 3000 growth index has climbed 9.8% so far this year. So there's obviously an expectation there that although rates are rising, they're going to come down and companies will rise, these these growth companies, Phoenix-like, uh, anytime soon. Uh, you know, they're obviously not expecting it's going to take a long time. No, the equity market is definitely uh, telling a different story to the bond market and uh, equity yeah. market still, you'd have to say pricing in that kind of Fed pivot kind of talk. But just worth noting, when you look at uh, Fed funds pricing, a lot of that pivot pricing has been priced out. So uh, I remember on the morning call, we we're talking about how markets at one stage were pricing 50 basis points worth of cuts in the second half of this year. And now that's fallen to only about 20, ba- uh, 20 basis points worth of cuts in the second half of this year. So mm. the market has pushed that out, but it doesn't seem to have been um, digested by the equity market there. Um, also, the Wall Street Journal, um, just going back to those mixed anecdotes in terms of the US um economy. Uh, the Wall Street Journal also had a piece on uh, auto loan arrears. And uh, it was just noting that um, some 9.3% of auto loans in the US extended to people with low credit scores and now more than 30 days uh, behind in payment. And that's the highest share since 2010. So although very strong US economic data, we had very strong retail sales, there are still those anecdotes coming through that do suggest maybe there is some underlying weakness there. And I think in that respect, uh, the Fed is probably very wise to keep sticking to 25 basis point hikes well, back, just in back, case. Back to talking about the K-shaped recovery, aren't we? Uh, you know, you've either got the money or you haven't. And uh, we, we're seeing that all over the world. Look, uh, let's look at uh, Philip Lowe. Do we feel sorry for Philip Lowe, I wonder? Uh, I mean, he's really been taking a grilling, hasn't he, with his uh, you know first and second parliamentary appearance. Uh, so apart from the, the, the questions we, which we saw on, on Friday about uh, who he has lunch with, uh, did we learn anything useful from his uh, second uh, appearance? I mean, I, I mean, he was sounding hawkish, of course, wasn't he? Uh, definitely. And I did say two weeks ago, uh, being a central banker at the moment is, is quite tough and it is an unenviable job. <laughs> you are really balancing uh, uh, recession risk against uh, trying to get inflation down and that's going to be a very hard role. So um, obviously uh, the RBA is feeling a lot of pushback on, on on that and obviously complicated by messaging it did do during, during the pandemic but we'll put that aside for now and just focus on in terms of what uh, the RBA governor said and really he said the priority right now is to get inflation down and the risk is of not doing enough so that all comes across as marginally more hawkish than probably his prior comments there and really suggests the RBA is really focused on getting uh, inflation down so in that respect um, that really s- supports the view that we have had over the past couple of weeks that the RBA is likely to do at least uh, three more hikes. Um, So hiking, at least according to our call in um, uh, March, April, May, and bringing the cash rate up to Uh, 4.10%. And then the second one, just worth noting, um, in terms of what the RBA was saying on Friday, was some comments and insights in terms of the household sector for mortgage repayments. And I hear... 
they noted that only a very small proportion of home loans in Australia are in negative equity, um, saying that less than half of 1%, and that even in the event that house prices fell by a further 10%, as is uh, NAB's call, um, that would only rise to 1% of loans. So uh, that's very because positive. Because they've gone up so much since just before the pandemic, haven't they? Yeah, so that's very positive from the banking system. But also remember that people uh, in Australia typically put down a 20% deposit, or you know, if you're a first home buyer, maybe it's a 10% deposit. Um, mm. While negative equity is very low, um, people are eroding that effective their own equity or their deposit in their house in some sense. Um, so um, for, right. uh, for some people, the psychological pain of that is going to be quite, quite hefty. So um, just worth noting what happens in terms of the consumer from here. And then the second one is that there's a lot of resilience in terms of household balance sheets. Um, so uh, around one half of variable rate owner-occupier borrowers are more than one year ahead on their home loans. But on the other side of that, one third have um, no spare cash flow after meeting mortgage repayments and living costs with only small buffers. So you're talking about the K-shaped recovery. Um, I think um, there are as some chunk of households who are in a fairly good shape and another chunk of households who aren't as in good shape. Um, and I think that really mm. goes towards the kind of heave on that the RBA is uh, seeing at the moment. Yeah, and uh, those on the downward slope with the people who aren't liking Philip Lowe very much, who uh, only has to hang on till September till he can uh, start signing up to doing uh, superannuation ads, which is what you do, isn't it, when you uh, when you leave uh, and move on to your next career. Now, look, uh, other than that, you've just given us a whole heap of numbers there, so that's good. Thank goodness for that, Tapas. I have to build you as the numbers guy, but not a lot to dissect other than that, is there? Um, so just going back, to, let's go back to the US just very quickly, just to uh, to uh, to the Fed's, uh, Richmond Fed's uh, Tom Barr, I mean, he made the point that what uh, political leaders, not central banks, have got to do to get ourselves out of this collective mess that the world's found itself is, is improve productivity. And um, he's, you know, saying there they've got low immigration, maybe, and people getting older. So maybe Australia's got less of an issue with that. But I mean, that is an issue that the world is is grappling with, isn't it? And, uh, you know, not quite sure answers on a postcard for that one, because nobody's found an answer to it just yet. Uh, no, it's the... Population growth story is really interesting. So um, we did get data out of China going back a couple um, weeks ago saying China's population actually went backwards in uh, 2022. Um, so that's an interesting thing in terms of population growth and really accelerates the aging out, out of China. In terms of the Fed's bark and what he was talking about is migration to the US. And during the Trump era, obviously, you had border wars and uh, a real uh, loss in uh, migration. Um, and then with all the pandemic, uh, a lot of adjustments towards um, attitudes towards migration. Where that is different, though, seems to be in Australia and in Canada and in New Zealand, and indeed in Australia. Australia's uh, population 15 years plus in 2022 rose by 2.1%, or about 430,000 people being added to Australia's population. So that may help assist with loosening up the labour market. Indeed, we have seen sick job ads over the over several months come down. But even with that, the labour market in Australia remains relatively tight. And we'll be looking quite closely at the uh, wages data as we go forward just to really gauge that assessment. But it is an interesting point, isn't it, where immigration sits? I mean, the UK is, is struggling with not having enough immigration because not only have they got the pandemic issues, they've also got Brexit. And Gavin, of course, was saying on Friday that he's hoping that maybe this week, as soon as this week, uh, there could be some sort of a renewed arrangement with the EU. But don't hold your breath on, on that one because the news over the weekend, by and large, is that they, they've agreed so far on what the problem is. Uh, they haven't got any, <laughs> haven't got any answers yet. Well, we can tell what the problem is. There's no agreement. Uh, but they got a surprise on retail sales. So the UK is funny, isn't it? Keeps on coming up with these surprises. So retail sales for January month on month increased. 
that wasn't expected to happen. But it's fair to say, if we look in volume terms, the trend is significantly down, isn't it? I mean, this is an economy which is cooling, without a doubt. And I think it just goes to speak to the volatility that we have seen in data. And um, markets and equity markets in particular got carried away with this um, no landing or re-acceleration um, because we had uh, a few better than expected data prints. But the UK figures do suggest that maybe we should um, put a bit of caution towards all, all of that. So when you look at the volume of core sales, they're up 0.4% month to month against minus 0.2% expected. But some seasonal impacts here really. So when you look at the prime month, that was actually revised down to minus 1.4 from minus 1.1%. So I think we're really going to have to wait until the February and March data to get a clearer read in terms of where uh, the economy is traveling, not only in Australia, but also offshore. Right, whatever it is, don't look at one month, take three months and average it out to get uh, to get the real picture is what you're saying, I think, isn't it? Irrespective of what the data uh, we're looking at is. Look, it's very quiet today. It's President's Day in the US, so uh, stock market and bond markets are both closed, so quiet trading day. Not much news either. We'll get uh, China's one- and five-year loan rates. They're not expected to move. We get European confidence numbers, which aren't obviously going to be very good. So not much today, but it's the week ahead, isn't it? And it's a heck of a week coming up. Oh, definitely. And just in regards to uh, the President's Day, uh, one of the main factors cited by uh, many analysts for the reversal in yields that we did see on Friday, and also in terms of the pairing back of losses that we did see in the equity market, was because of people scoring up positions ahead of President's Day. Um, so yeah. in terms of what's coming up, um, five really big events com- coming up, and I'll just quickly list them. So we have the RBNZ, uh, we get the FOMC minutes, we get USPC figures, uh, the global PMIs, and we also get earnings, particularly US earnings for a for a number of large retailers. Um, in terms of yep. what we're going to be watching quite closely, obviously what's going on with the RBNZ on Wednesday. Are they going to be the points. last of the 50 pointers, do you think? The 50 basis pointers? Oh, I, th- I, I think so. They're getting closer t- towards the end. Um, so if they hike by 50 basis points, that will get them to 4.75%. When you look at their uh, dot plot or their terminal projected um, internally, um, I think back in the prior meeting, they were expecting to get to about 5.5%, so getting closer. Um, and just given the uncertainties in the economy, particularly after all the cyclone a- activity and the weaker than expected data that we have seen from the uh, from uh, New Zealand, we expect that projected rate peak to come down by about 25 basis points in the yeah. latest projections. Well, we'll get the FOMC minutes as well. And of course, all the PMIs as well. And uh, corporate earnings continuing, of course. We'll look forward to all of that. Uh, good to have you on, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. And thanks for all the numbers, as usual. Hey, by the way, uh, someone wrote to me, I use the word bonza. On I don't know why on Friday is a word from uh, you know the old uh, Australian lexicon. Somebody wrote in to say uh, no bonds are still a word still used. It's actually an airline that uh, has launched that flies from the Gold Coast to Mackay. Uh, they've just got their third aircraft called Sheila. So there we are. I'm sure you never used the word Bonza in your in well, Bonza, your life. I think they're actually owned by a US company based in Miami. All right. It's not even Australian. <laughs> oh, well, kind of everything. Anyway, good to talk, Tapas. Tapas. Catch, you, catch you later. See you Cheers. later, mate. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse, is there, than a pom trying to do a fake Aussie accent. So I won't be doing that again. That's it for today. That's the morning call from NAV. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.